0: Thank you for joining us today for the Oakwood Baptist Church podcast. This episode was recorded at the Home Builder Sunday School class, which Pastor Jones teaches at Oakwood. The lessons are taken from the book, The Ministry of Marriage, by Jim Benny. Turn your Bible, please, to 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, and I want to read a couple of verses to you. And uh, this is lesson 18 in our series on ministry of marriage. And uh, we'll probably only go maybe 21 uh, lessons, something like that. And so we're coming to a conclusion uh, on that. I, I might uh, do a series on friendship after this. I read a really good book called Made for Friendship. It was a real blessing to me. A lot of good scriptural principles in there about Friendship. And uh, we just try to do things that are Christian living. And that, man, that's certainly a good one. But I've often said to you as well, look, if you can study the Bible, what it says about being a good friend, it's going to help you be a good, good married partner. I mean, really, that's what marriage boils down to is uh, just being good friends. And so I hope that that'll be a help to you. First John chapter 3, let's look at verse 16, please. It says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us, And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Look at verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So the idea here in these these verses that we've pointed out is we're just kind of emphasizing a thought that we've been trying to put front and center all the way through really the last recent lessons. And that is that love is an action. Um, we've really tried to hit, hit hard that it's not just an emotion. We're not trying to take out the emotions. We're not trying to make you devoid of emotion. We're not saying the emotion doesn't matter. We're just trying to say, really, love is a decision. Love is more of an action. I mean, un- think about it. It doesn't matter where you go in the world, everybody understands a smile. Everybody understands a hug. Understand, everybody understands food. You, you know what I'm saying? Those are, those are actions, and they, they can be summarized as, as love. Now, God knew that it was necessary to prove His love to us. We read that in verse 16 here. Hereby, we perceive, hereby perceive we the love of God. Why? Because He laid down His life for us. You see there? That's how we can know that God loves us. Because of the cross. Okay. If you ever get feeling like, oh, God doesn't love me, He doesn't care about me, just remind yourself of Calvary. Okay? Uh, that's just showing us that love is a decision. Love is an action. And so then, he says in this same verse that God expects us to reach out to others the way that He reached out to us. That's what the Bible is telling us. Uh, We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So, what we're talking about this morning is your mate can measure your love by your actions. Listen, he or she may not be able to see your feelings. I know sometimes we, we, we want our spouse to be able to read our minds and understand exactly what we're thinking and, and be able to sympathize exactly how we're feeling, but you, you and I both know that that may not be possible, all right? So we may not be able to see each other's feelings. We may not be able to even understand each other's words. You know, sometimes we're trying to communicate something and we struggle with it, um, we're not exactly getting across what we're trying to say. And sometimes you may understand what they're saying, but not believe what they're saying. But what I'm trying to tell you this morning is there is no disputing the love behind the actions. We see that clearly in verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So, so the, the adage, your actions speak louder than your words, or... I can't hear what you're saying because your, your, your actions are speaking so loudly. Those, those kind of ideas. That's what the Bible is basically saying. Now think about how you express your love to your children. You determine your expressions of love to your children, not by your own need, at least you shouldn't, but by, but by theirs. Um, you, you know, think about it. When they're little, boo-boos need kisses, right? Right? Um, And think about it. That's what happens. A mom, I I think about Mindy. You know, we had five kids in seven years. I'm just one and a half years apart, basically. It's just boom, boom, boom. I mean, and it was uh, an an exciting time. I I think we wanted our kids to grow up together. We were glad for that. But there were some days where we were like, what were we thinking? (laughs) Um, But, you know, I think of Mindy with one child on the hip, uh, you know, maybe a phone in the hand, dinner on the stove, and somebody's talking about how, they got a boo-boo, you, you, you know? Um, think about dad up on the ladder, nails in his mouth, hammer in his hand. You still take care of your kid, right? At least most of us do. Maybe I didn't. Because one, I wouldn't be on a ladder uh, with nails in my mouth and a hammer in my hand. But, or uh, I wasn't the most sympathetic father. That, that came up in conversation. I was playing a game with Mary last night And Macy had already come through and said, I'm going to bed. Good night. I love you. And I said, I love you, too, Mace. And she went on up to bed. Next thing I know, she's back down and uh, doing something. And she came through. She said, good night. I love you. And I said, love you, too, Mace. And when she walked off, I said to Mary, didn't she already tell me that? And Mary said, she started laughing. She goes, man, when we were kids, we used to do that to you all the time, Dad. You'd say, I know. You already told me that. Go to bed. (laughs) So that's kind of dad I am. So I need to. Practice what I'm preaching here. But anyhow, your spouse needs the same demonstration of love that your child does. Now, I'm not suggesting that you treat your, your spouse like a child. unless That would be insulting. But how do you love, show love for your spouse? You're supposed to give of yourself. You give when it costs something. You give when it's inconvenient. You give with no selfish purpose and agenda behind it. Here's a great statement. I like this. If you want to love your mate more fervently, then learn how to give of yourself more frequently. That's a good statement. If you want to love your spouse or want to love your mate more fervently, then learn to give yourself more frequently. You could say it this way too. The more you show love, the more your love will grow. The more you show love, the more your love will grow. So, I'm going to give you this morning, I'll just give you in the time that we have three actions that show mercy toward your spouse. Three actions that show mercy toward your spouse. Number one, take the initiative when there's a problem. Take the initiative when there's a problem. You'll find that in marriage, uh, really in life, you should be more proactive than reactive. A lot of times we have to react to things, things are thrust upon us, we have to react but it's better to be proactive if at all possible. In fact, study Christianity, and really Jesus taught us in so many ways to be proactive. Uh, For example, we are taught in the Bible to love your enemies. That's a proactive approach to disagreement or problems between people. We are also taught uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? Uh, you, You... Need seen assignment given kind of thing, right? You you don't you don't have to. You, who's my neighbor? That people would ask, and Jesus said, anybody that's around you, that's your neighbor. Um, you see, uh, Paul. We've been studying his life. He's preaching and persecution and suffering. Those kind of things. He's being proactive rather than reactive. And a proactive ministry is based on the needs of others. Now, that person may be an enemy, maybe a stranger, maybe a friend. We need to be proactive, right? Now, again, I want to clarify, that doesn't mean you do everything for everybody. You can't. Jesus didn't do everything for everybody. Jesus told, read the Bible, Jesus told people no. He didn't do everything that everybody ever expected of Him. That's impossible. You're one person. But I'm simply saying, we ought to be proactive in the way we minister to each other, especially our spouse. Too many marriages deteriorate into a you-first mindset. And when that happens, nobody moves. You know, well, I'm not going to do this unless she, and I'm not going to do this until he. And that's just a bad place to be. That's not where God wants you to be in your marriage. Not in your marriage. I, I mean, you know, let's just take the whole Ephesians 5. We talked about that a lot, right? Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. Well, you know, you might have a wife that says, well, I'll submit to him when he starts loving me. And the husband says, well, I'll love you when you submit. Listen, here's the point that I'm trying to make here. When you get into that situation, everybody loses. Everybody loses. Now, I know that many, many people see it as a sign of weakness to go first. But can I just say this to you? You have to be very, very careful here because every one of us, I don't care what your personality type is. I don't care if you're the party, you know, the party animal person. I don't care if you're the strong alpha type leader. I don't care if you're the peacemaker or you're the analytical. It, it makes no difference what your personality is. Because of our sin nature that we all inherited from the same source uh, all the way back to Adam, everybody in this room struggles with pride. Everybody. Period. I believe that pride is the source and the root of every sin that man commits. And when we say, well, it's just a weakness to go first, you you know, all you're doing is acting on your pride. Um, Again, I I think this is an incredibly misunderstood verse, but I'm still going to apply it to this situation. Galatians 6, 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one with a spirit of meekness the reason I think that that's such a misunderstood verse is because it's often lifted out of context. We take that verse and you say, oh man, you got you to bear somebody else's burden. And we totally ignore verse five that says that, that every man must bear his own burdens. So the idea is you help somebody in their weakness get strong so that they can bear the burden themselves. That's what's often overlooked in that verse. But, but I'm just simply saying We do need to practice what Galatians 6 and verse 10 also says, as we have therefore opportunity, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially them who are the household of faith. So again, we're applying this to our spouse because that's your greatest ministry. So who knows the needs of your mate better than you do? Nobody. At least nobody should. And remember, fellas, I try and constantly remind you. Dwell with them according to knowledge. And and I think that, that, that applies to women too. It's just for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit directed it primarily and specifically to men. Well, you recognize the needs that they have. Who has a better opportunity to help than you do? The answer is nobody. Whom has God chosen for this task other than you? And the answer is nobody. And so again, I'm just trying to encourage you and challenge you to take the initiative when there's a problem. Uh, Don't go to your separate corners and say, well, when they do... No, 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 no. Be proactive. Be proactive. Number two, exercise verbal restraint in your relationship. We've talked about this in the last couple of weeks, but let's talk about it again because this verse specifically talks about My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And so again, I think it's emphasizing uh, being careful with your words. Uh, Someone might say, I take pride in telling it like it is. Again, I I can be that way. Some of us, uh, look, understand your differences in personality. Some of us always have something right on the tip of our tongue, don't we? Come on, some of us were born that way. Some of us were born very, very precocious people. Um, As a child, my vocabulary developed quickly. Uh, I have a daughter in this room who is a very precocious child. I mean, really, I remember when she was very little, like two years old, we had moved and we were in a, um, uh, we were doing some kind of governmental paperwork, getting our license changed or some kind of situation. It wasn't DMV, but it was some sort of government agency where we were filling out paperwork and doing something because of our move. And I remember sitting her up on the counter while I was filling up these papers, and she's two, and she said, this is, parents love this stuff. She said, excuse me, ladies, talking to the, I mean, this is a two-year-old. She literally said, excuse me, ladies. And they looked at her and she said, I have boogers in my nose. <laughs> okay. Thank you, you know. So, I mean, just some of us were born. We always have a comeback. We always have a zinger. We always know what to say. We, we know how to do that. And, and, and I, I'm that way. That's my personality. I always have a comment. And, and, and listen, that got me in trouble as a teenager, I can assure you. If my youth director was here, I'm sure he wanted to kill me because I always had a comment for everything and I, and I, I was one of those that thought I was a lot funnier than I actually was, right? When well, you bring that into a marriage relationship, my wife is different. She's a different personality. My wife is the kind of person that she thinks of what to say after the conversation is over. Some of you can relate to that, right? I'm not saying she's not... She's not sharp intellectually. I'm not saying, it's just she processes it afterwards and goes, oh, I should have said this. Why didn't I do that? And she, analyzes. boy, I'm not that way in a moment. Boy, boy, I'm shooting them down. Oh, that was good. Oh, I got you. That, you know, like I'm just, you know, that kind of way. And, and you have to be careful. If you, if, if you can be like like I'm very transparent, very open, very expressive, um, you, you have to be reminded that just because you pride yourself in saying what's on your mind doesn't mean you should. In fact, the Bible talks about that, doesn't it? It says, a fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in until afterward. You you know, we need some, well, I just, I I share everything with, with everybody. Well, you shouldn't do that. There's some things you don't. Well, it's my spouse. I just tell him, I tell them how I'm feeling. I'm telling You know, sometimes you shouldn't do that. Well, I thought we were supposed to be open and true. You are, but you, you understand the, the Bible tells us that sometimes we withhold information for which the listener is not prepared to receive. You, you know, sometimes you might do more harm than good sometimes. I'm not talking about being deceitful. I'm not, I'm not talking about you you, you know, lying. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm just simply saying, be careful with our words. See, a lot of times we're not concerned about the feelings or needs of others. And so that's why sometimes people blow up because it makes them feel better. And then what they do is they call evil good by saying, well, that's just the way I am. Or, you know, I'm a truth, you you know, I, I I just speak my mind. Be careful. Be careful. Speech sometimes needs to be tempered with the knowledge of its effect on the hearer. Colossians 4:6 says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer every man. It's not always easy to do, but it's what the Bible is admonishing us. So express your pain when you're when you're exercising verbal restraint in your relationship and you're in a disagreement, let's say argument. Come on, I know. We're Christians here, and so we don't like to say that in our marriage relations we've ever had arguments, but we all know that's what they are. But Have you ever been in a discussion? <laughs> express your pain as perception instead of accusation. If you can do that, if you can learn to do that, I think that'll help you. You know, it's okay to say this. You know, when you criticize me, I feel I feel that you're rejecting me as a person, and that hurts. That's that's different than saying, you know what? You're such a critic. All you ever do is criticize me. I think you enjoy it when you hurt me. Do you see the difference? One is expressed as a perception. This is how I view it. This is how I see it. This is how it makes me feel. As opposed to, this is what you do. There's a difference. We need to season it with salt. Right? That's what the Bible's teaching us. All right, let, let's, let's close on this thought here then. Accept your mate's feelings. Now, now I'm not saying accept them as necessarily legitimate. Remember, feelings, feelings can be deceiving, can't they? They can deceive us. Um, but we talked about how perception sometimes comes reality, but we talked about how in communication you need facts, you need feelings, you need perceptions, you need to uh, diagnose those things. But a lot of times we don't want to accept our mate's feelings at all because we feel like if I accept their feeling, then basically I am condoning how they feel. And how they feel is unwarranted. Now, how they feel may be unwarranted. It may be, that, that may be true. It's possible. Sometimes we, we feel like, like again, uh, I talk about little kids. If, if, if little kids are scared of the dark, you know... We don't, I don't think you should just leave the lights on all night. I think you need to teach them to face their fears. That's, I I just, again, I always mention my podcast. I was listening to a podcast recently on on turning anxiety into strength. And this was a clinical psychologist. He was talking about, he literally does therapy for people who are scared of spiders. And what he does, he knows a spider wrangler and he brings in tarantulas and has them handle them and stuff like he works with them to get them to that stage, I guess. But I think you need to face your fears. Some, some of your eyeballs got really big. They're like, I don't think so, bub. Uh, but uh, I mean, I'm just saying like, uh, I think that you you ought to understand your child's feelings. Dad, there's a monster under my bed. No, there's not a monster. I mean, look, look, Let's look under here. I'm still going to turn the light off and you're still going to sleep in here. You, you understand? Uh, I mean, I think that that's, I'm not saying that we legitimize feelings that we know are, are, are not legitimate. But we have to at least uh, under, accept them and understand them and, and don't fall into the trap of thinking that if I, if I accept how they feel, then I'm condoning how they feel. We also feel that if I accept how they feel, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to encourage a permanency to that feeling. And I don't think that's the case. You see... When we come back to somebody's perception and their feelings, then, then what we're doing is that's the starting place so that you can get to proper change. You understand the head moves the heart and the heart moves the hand. That's the way it's supposed to work. The head moves the heart and the heart moves the hand. That's the way it's supposed to work. But, but sometimes we, we just get things all whoppy-jawed in there and we've, we've got to... At least accept and understand where each other is coming from. Um, so, so again, like, think about this. like Depression, as a feeling, it can begin like this. You have an activating event. You have an activating event. I think depression stems from a loss of something. You can almost exclusively trace it back to a loss. You lost a loved one. You lost a job. You lost your health. You lost respect. You lost a relationship. I mean, it, it, it just almost always stems to that. But I want you to think of an activating event. Maybe in this case, it's just an argument with your wife. And so this triggers then a belief system, a low view of God, a poor view of your husband, a misunderstanding about marriage. And we've talked about a lot of those things, right? Um, I think it was A.W. Tozer said that a low view of God It it leads to a a thousand uh, lesser evils. We've got to have proper thinking about God, okay? And what we can think is because I had an argument with my wife, uh, things aren't going good. Then God doesn't care. The Bible's not true. Listen, I've I've heard this question recently. You pray for our young people. Pray for our church and our ministry. Uh, Listen, I've had a couple of young people ask me. Literally ask me, what if all this is that you're preaching and teaching? What, what if all this stuff's not true? Listen, Satan is an accuser, he's a liar, he's a deceiver. And you, you, you have something that goes wrong in your life, and you think, man, the Bible's not true, God doesn't care. And then you start thinking, my husband's a jerk. Again, that feeling may be legitimate. But you start thinking and you're thinking poorly. You never think of the good things. You never think of the good qualities and you get get into all of that. And and then you start getting a misunderstanding. Remember we talked about fibs about marriage, you know, and maybe maybe you start thinking that maybe I married the wrong one. And you start thinking all of these things. So you have this activating agent, agent, uh, uh, you know, this activating agency that started things, this event, and then you trigger a belief system and then this leads to feelings. That's what we would call depression. And then it results into behavior. It could be, I don't know, curling up in bed for two to three days at a time. I don't don't know. You know, just behavior that we do when we get that way. But the point I'm trying to make is when that happens, feelings should be valued as a starting place for lasting change so we can figure out what's going on here. Because remember, that's, that's kind of what the feeling of fear is, right? Fear is trying to indicate to you something's not right. So we need to figure out what that is. So it's a little kid and he thinks there's a monster on the bed. Something's not right. Okay, we've got an improper fear. Or the house is on fire. That's a legitimate fear. We need to re- respond properly to that, right? You, you, you under- we, we, we just need, need to understand that that's the starting point to lasting change. So understand where your, where your mate's coming from. All right, a couple of thoughts here and we'll close. Christian marriage isn't merely reacting to difficulties with grace. It's acting to change those circumstances with mercy. We've talked about this. Love that verse in Romans. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. That's what we need in our homes. The ultimate way of overcoming evil in a marriage relationship is the good of active mercy. So that's what we're trying to talk about today is, then I want to show love to my spouse by, by being proactive. When there's a problem, I'm going to try and, and be proactive in addressing that issue. In fact, sometimes what we need to be proactive about is the best medicine is preventative medicine. I'm going to be proactive. Don't wait until you have a major problem to go to a couples retreat and attend a Sunday school class and those kind of things. A lot of people, just they wait until things are busting apart at the seams and then they, they want to get proactive. How about we stay proactive before there ever is a problem? That'd be good. Um, you, you know, and then be careful how we talk to each other. Again, I don't want to re-preach and teach everything, but... It's so true, we get so comfortable with one another that we speak to each other in ways we would never speak to anybody else. You know it's true. I've been guilty of it, and I know you have too. You get so comfortable with one another, you wouldn't, you wouldn't talk to a stranger on the street the way you do to your spouse. We have to season our speech with, with, with grace. We have to be careful. And then thirdly, understand and accept each other's feelings as a starting point, to change, all right? And let's overcome evil with good as God gives us grace. Hey, I appreciate it so much. Thanks for being in Sunday school this morning. I hope it was a help and encouragement to you. I'll please pray for the service. You're dismissed.